guys. Welcome back to Into the Light, a different life story. My show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. First of all, housekeeping, press that subscribe button and tell your friends about this show because we have got so many beautiful guests here and it is, it is such a humbling journey for me uh, to meet all these beautiful people. And you would be silly to not subscribe, to not know who is coming next because they're all coming quick and fast because it is, I cannot, I cannot just record beautiful interviews and then sit on them. Ah, oh, maybe, maybe by Christmas, we're going to bring you a message out. Bullshit. Um, as I'm recording them, they are going out and sometimes it's a bit of a flurry there. So if you get suddenly free interviews a week, just, Take it for what it is. It is a gift from me to you because I believe that we can make this world a better place one interview at a time. And therefore, who better to have on my show than Ed Squire? Ed Squire is a man who is a force of nature. Full stop. I, I give you that right now. So, so buckle in. <laughs> make sure you're sitting comfortable and make sure that there's something behind you because you're going to be blown away. Okay. So, <laughs> and whilst I'm making now fun of that and I'm making fun of our energy, uh, that will soon transpire. But the problem is that we might very well trigger some thoughts in you, some emotions in you now that that can be quite painful. So I give you a heads up there, there will be triggers there, there will be, there will be uh, reflections that might come out of you that you may, that may be painful to you. So if that is the case, please go with it. But please understand this is all part of you. All these emotions are part of you. So whatever comes out, it comes out. And I hope that we can show you that there is hope in every situation, that there is hope out there. And please, please, please hang in there, learn from our stories and take it from there. Ed Squire a man who is a fantastic dude, an all-round uh, ball of energy. Welcome to my show. Stefan, I'm really glad to be here. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, we gave this, uh, this is our second go around because if we've tried this a uh, few weeks ago and I had a plane land apparently out in a field over here that took down several city blocks and everything just went dead all of a sudden. So I'm glad that we've got, we've got power and I'm, I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Let's see how long that lasts. Yeah. <laughs> how many more things drop out of the sky in your area? <laughs> yes. Yes. Now a plane falling out of the sky is luckily quite a rare thing. Yet yes. what we are talking about today is unfortunately not rare at all. On the contrary, it's a huge thing. And what we are talking is about child sexual abuse. It is absolutely maddening when you actually truly speak to survivors about the incidence of child sexual abuse that is out there. Ed, I mean, you have lived that. And the problem is that that so many survivors are quiet 
and do not speak up. Do you know any real figures out there of child sexual abuse? Well, they say and it's 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 hard to get the real numbers. Um, depending on the reports that you read, it's it's really difficult. They say, you know, one in six women and uh, no, one in six boys and yeah, what yes, yes, one in six, one in six boys. And um and that is in uh, that is a, a global statistic. Uh, there's an organization out there actually called one in six.org and they have a ton of great data in there. Mm. Um, and the reality is the, and when it comes to men, especially the amount of shame that is, is associated with that is what prevents men from dealing with it. And it prevents men from uh, acknowledging it. And we think like I did for many years, I'm okay. Right. Cause uh, if there's something wrong, you know, we men want to fix it. Right. Mm. And that's what I tried to do for many years. And I really thought I was okay until I saw just uh, manifestations of severe dysfunctions. Uh, not only, they weren't suddenly taking place. I just couldn't believe that they were in my life all, all, all the way along, mm-hmm. but I was finally able to see them. And um, I, ha- I had to deal with it. It was, for me, it was a matter of life or death. So it was a pretty dramatic story. And I think when you, when you think about the sheer fact that abuse happens at the child at child's age, where really all these emotions of shame and guilt, etc., are, are, are formed and they're laid down so deeply inside your brain. No surprise that that uh, it often uh, it becomes an insurmountable task for survivors to speak out. For you, that was pretty much the same. What? When did you decide to tackle that issue in your own life? Well, you know, I suppose I thought I had chosen to deal with it many, many years ago. <laughs> I, I, I started, uh, you know, I became a Christian when I was 13. And you know, I believed in God and I went to a Bible study. Now, when I was 13, all of the abuse was already over and there were you know, I was, I was sexually abused from age four until 10 by three different men. And I'm happy to, to talk about that too. But before we, you know, before, if we do, uh, you know, I, I knew that it had affected me by the time I, you know, got out of high school, I knew that there's, I needed help. So I would always ask God to, you know, help me, right. Heal my heart, heal me like, um, and, and fix me up. And because I was not afraid to deal with it, uh, I, I had talked about it. I didn't, it wasn't like I held this secret in for, for years. Uh, I thought that, you know, I think that's very important. It's very important that we talk about it, recognize it, acknowledge it. And, and those, those are the steps that begin the healing process. I was just unaware of what was really needed to get, to, to really get healed. It goes beyond talking about it, recognizing it, accepting it. Um, you really need to understand what are the psychological effects um, that, that, that happened to you from a physiological standpoint um, when you're a young child, because it, it literally has an impact on your brain and your neurological um, um, uh, growth. Uh, and it affects you as, you as you as you mature and grow older. And so those effects uh, carried, carried on with me uh, through decades. But the real decision to deal with it was when, um, sadly, uh, you know, I had lost my marriage and that was in uh, 2009. I was married for 13 years 
And uh, I had a very, uh, I had a high paying job that involved a lot of travel. And uh, I traveled throughout the United States, Canada, and Europe, consulting for Fortune 500 companies. And my identity was wrapped up in that. I love telling people that's what I did and how much money I made. And, <laughs> and I was all of that. And then uh, so what ended up happening was I just slowly lost my ability to concentrate on my job. And uh, I began drinking and taking prescription medications when I got off work uh, just to, you know, I didn't know what the process was, but I was numbing the pain. I was just numbing. I wouldn't even say the numbing the pain of, of the abuse, but just numbing the pain of my life falling apart is what it was. Thinking that, hey, I've dealt with it, but, well, you know, hey, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm having a midlife crisis. You know, I mean, any man would have lost my marriage. Uh, you know, I've been working hard. I need a break. You know, it's not the sexual abuse. It's just, you know, this happens to everybody at varying degrees. So again, the, I thought I was okay thing. My, it wasn't my past. And um, come to find out, it was very, very much my past that was affecting everything. And so that was in, um, that was August 24th, 2012, when I, I always define it as my dark night of the soul. And I think, I think uh, people understand what that means. And for me, you, I, you know, I had to hit rock bottom. And then when I, when I did, I found out there were layers to the bottom and I bounced around the bottom for quite some time before I figured out, yep, this is definitely the bottom. And I, I cannot, uh, I cannot hang on anymore. I cannot make everything look okay. And I am coming apart at the seams. Oh, fantastic. 2000, 2012. Isn't it from now and then you actually have to bounce a bit around down there? And <laughs> yeah, you, you really do. You, you, you do. It's like, it's really bad. No, it can get worse. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's what I love to hear there is indeed your, your emphasis on, I thought I had dealt with that. And that is so important. You think you, you, you acknowledge it. And by just acknowledging it, and maybe even talking about it, that's it done does the tick what we do not take into account is that the whole belief system has been skewed and has been changed and because of that belief system those kind of i'm not good enough i am there are so so many weird distorted beliefs that right. we lay down at such an early 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 stage that uh that we don't even no, that we are not even aware of. No, it's yet. so subtle. It's so Isn't subtle. It? And you just, you think, you think it's normal. You rationalize it. You think this is, uh, and the older you get, you realize that, hey, you know, everybody's like this to some degree. And it's true to some degree. But when it, when you're at the point of where, you know, I, looking back, I finally see it now. It was that everything I did was to get a good attention. Mm. Exactly. To get people to like me. Yeah. I wanted people to like me. Um, you know, uh, you, when you get out of school, you're supposed to go to college and you're supposed to have a plan for your life. I, I didn't. I didn't have one. Uh, you know, I was I wanted sex, drugs and rock and roll pretty much when I got out of high school, because that's what I did in high school. Hmm. I wanted to have fun and party. And um, I knew I needed to get my act together and get a job. You know, maybe maybe go to college. I don't know. But after three years of, you know, not having a plan. You know, I just burned out. I thought, geez, I need to do something with my life, right? What am I going to do? And, you know, all my friends by that time, you know, they're well into college and, mm. you know, there's nobody around. And, 
And so I, you know, I, I, I did go to college and had absolutely no clue what I wanted to do. No, had no dreams, no desires, you know, and I don't, I don't you know, at that time they didn't pay you a lot for skateboarding and that wasn't in the Olympics. <laughs> and I was into barefoot water skiing and uh, I was a nationally ranked barefoot water skier, as a matter of fact. And, and uh, I went to college and um, after college, I went, I went to South Florida and I went barefoot water skiing with the world champion for a couple of years. <laughs> Because I just, you know, uh, just did whatever felt good at the time, whatever I wanted to do. And I think that's okay. I think that's a good thing in life to, to just follow your dreams and your passions. But at some point, you need to have a plan and uh, get your act together, so to speak. And that, that, that um, you know, I just, I, I flew by the seat of my pants. And I think, you know, being ADHD, uh, on top of the trauma makes you someone who, you know, instead of ready, aim, fire, I was fire, ready, aim. So I would act first, think about the consequences later. And, and I thought that was okay. Cause I accomplished a lot of things in life that I think the average person, well, what is the average person? I don't like using terms like that. Um, and I, that, that many people don't experience because you're unafraid, but you still suffer the consequences. Um, I think a lot of times my friends that I grew up with, uh, you know, I live in Denver, Colorado, but I grew up in Northwestern British Columbia, Canada, and I grew up on a lake in a small town. And uh, when I went back to visit, uh, when I was in my, uh, you know, thirties and forties, people were like, how, you know, how do you, you know, how did you get the opportunity to live in Florida and, you know, become this, this big time consultant making all this money and, uh, and, uh, you know, I, I would love to do what you're doing. And but the reality was what I didn't have that they had was, you know, yeah, I had all these amazing experiences, right? I've lived, I've done amazing things and experienced amazing things, but you know, I don't, I didn't have community. I didn't have friends to go and have a barbecue with. I didn't have children. I didn't have, I didn't have a solid base underneath me. And I didn't have a house that I had lived in for 10 or 15 years. And I didn't have, nothing was, nothing was, nothing was firm in my life. And uh, that's a lot to sacrifice for a, uh, a fun um, lifestyle, but no regrets. Right. Also think where that came from. You had to learn to survive at a very, very, very early stage. So you learned to become selfish. You learned to think yes. about only one thing that is your survival. So whatever you had to take, whatever I do, et cetera, to actually get through that moment, get through that day, that evening, whatever it was, you learned that it's okay to do that. Yes. And therefore that filters through. That's again, this kind of core belief that that you, you become this selfish person and it doesn't matter if you walk over the dreams of other people or you uh, destroy, right. destroy yes. the happiness of others just to get that one moment that, that finally makes you forget your pain. Because what you were searching for, uh, not without knowing it, was that, that acceleration, that freedom, that, that dopamine high. And right. please, when you are on your on barefoot on the water going at what, 30, 40 Ks or miles an hour even. More than then, that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I used to jumping out of trees and off of bridges and all these crazy things. And that is the adrenaline. That is the dopamine. Right. That makes you feel alive. 
alive. Suddenly there is that alive and it's so addictive, addictive to you are escaping your reality. You right. are living this fast paced. Yeah, bang, 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 look at me. And you get you get self-validation. You get all those kind of things. That's right. You can you can see exactly where it all came from and you can see the driving factor behind it. You didn't want to slow down. You didn't want to actually think. Um, no. Perceive. <laughs> no. No, and I had no idea. And that's an interesting point that you just made. I had no idea. I had no idea what it meant to just to stop mm. and to just think. You know, I, I appreciate how before we started the show, you know, you, you, you take you take a moment to just be silent. And, you know, before before I got ready for this, I, I took I took time. Uh, I took an hour to just 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 really do nothing. Right. Just to empty myself, mm. to be in the moment, to look forward to this uh, episode. I have a super busy day today. I have two more podcasts. It's, I didn't manage my time very well for today, but I get a, there's good breaks in between, but the, it's important to take time to just be still. And, yeah. you know, I couldn't believe that for decades, I'd never did that because you're so afraid of your thoughts. Bingo. So afraid of your thoughts. Bingo. And it's so busy in there. And that's what you said. You said it yourself. I identified myself as that corporate person, the person who was out there, the, the successful person. That was exactly me. If you asked me 10 years ago, okay, who are you? Oh, I'm a pain physician. I run in big pain clinics here, there, and everywhere. No, no, who are you? Well, I just told you. I, oh, I could not define myself. No, as anything, that is a tough question. But the job, isn't it? Nowadays, to a totally different story. And, but that is where true recovery happens, that you actually truly find yourself. And you might find an empty shell. And that's actually quite cool because then you have got an empty canvas on yes, which you can start painting. That's what I found. As, as a matter of fact, when I, I, I ended up having to go, uh, you know, I, I had to go and on, take a leave of absence uh, from work. And I ended up actually going on disability for mental health, uh -huh. for post-traumatic stress disorder and depression and anxiety. And um, what I used to do during that time was get up very early in the morning and go to a coffee shop because I couldn't, I, I didn't sleep well and I didn't like the idea of waking up and just being alone because everything was so traumatic in my, in my head, you know, just, you know, I'm on disability. I'm, I'm you know, I just, I was so manic that I did my, my days basically consisted of getting up, going to coffee shops early, early in the morning. And, um, and then, uh, you know, just managing through my day, but I'll never forget after I went to, <laughs> you know, you can be on disability for six months And then after that, you, you get terminated from your job. And after six months, you know, um, you know, I was a, I was a, you know, big time analyst and, you know, a strategic consultant for these companies. And so when I found out I was diagnosed with all these things, I'm like, okay, well, let's fix it. Well, what, what is, what is PTSD? What is bipolar? What is anxiety? What is depression? What are you going to do? Oh, okay. You need to meditate. You need to do this, you need to do this, 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 eat right, get a good diet. Da, 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 da. Well, it's not like that. You can't just tick it off and say, I'm doing all these things. Cause I, I want, and I also thought, well, it's just a midlife crisis more than anything. Right. I do need time off. So after six months, none of my medical healthcare professionals would release me to go back to work. Not a single one of them. They said, you are not ready. And then 
the very first time I went to a coffee shop after I got terminated and I'm still on disability, I'll never forget the, the barista said to me, he said, uh, so uh, what do you do? And up until then, I told this fantastical story of, and it was the truth. It was my identity. I, you know, I'm a high-end consultant. I work for Fortune 500 companies and global companies and make all this. I didn't tell people I made money. They just could tell because I, nobody does that without making a lot of money. I just, that was who I was. And then the first time I went to a coffee shop and that wasn't there anymore, I thought, I can't tell them that anymore because that's gone. And I, I stood there and I, I, I wish I had it on camera because when he said that to me, it just suddenly hit me. I don't do anything, right? Exactly. I, don't, I, I do nothing. I'm on disability. Right. I, co I go to coffee shops and I manage through the day and I go to bed and I wake up and I go to a coffee shop. And so I just, I looked at him and I said, uh, I, I said, I don't, I don't do anything actually. I just, cause I just was, you know, I'm six months into recovery. And so I think I have to, I'm, I'm honest now. Now I don't lie anymore. I tell the truth. I want to be honest. <laughs> I said, I don't do, I don't, I'm thinking, what do I do? I don't do anything. Like, I don't, I don't have any hobbies. I, I, and, and he looked at me, he, he said, uh, well, are you retired? And I thought, well, I'm thinking, well, that's a good question. And I said, no. <laughs> and he could tell I was thinking about that. And then he said, well, are you, uh, you, know, you, you, you weren't in the service. you like, uh, were you, uh, you know, in the, in the, in the service? And I said, no. He said, well, um, he just looked at me and he said, well, that must be nice. Like, I mean, think about it. That, 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 I do think about it now. You bet that's nice. Who wouldn't want to do nothing? And I, and I looked at him and I thought to myself, I said, yeah, it, it, is, it is nice. Because, it, you know, I thought, you know, it is nice. I am, what I'm doing is I'm, I'm looking after myself. I'm, I'm learning that it's okay to do nothing, to be nothing. To start from, you know, just I was at the very beginning of this identity thing and understanding my identity. And, you know, my nonprofit, Me Too What Now, the tagline is find yourself, live yourself, give yourself. And the very first step is, is you know, understanding your identity, locating yourself and understanding who you are. And I'm not defined by what I do anymore. I'm not defined by my nonprofit. I'm not defined by my videography. I'm not defined by all the things I do. I can answer that question any way I want. What do I do? Well, I, I drink coffee. Oh, what do I do? I, I, I sit, I, I feed squirrels, I, I ski, I, I, whatever comes to my mind. I love humanity. I'm a, I'm a humanitarian, you know, person who loves people. That's, that's what I do. What, what do you do? And I love to return to the question, right? And, and ask them what they do, because your job does not define you. Bingo. Absolute bingo. But that, that, was at times actually quite scary for me. Um, it was scary to realize that. It was scary to lose yourself because yes. I didn't know. I didn't know what was to come. I didn't know. No, it was I, it was petrifying. Stephanie. I mean, it, it really was. I mean, it was uh, it was enlightening. You know, learning to relax and you know be okay with the process, but it was terrifying. You know, not knowing who you are. And, and, and trying, you know, working towards redefining that and, and then, okay, wow, uh, trauma has affected me in a big, big way. And uh, six months of, uh, you know, 
it was not enough to get over it. Not by a long shot. Isn't it? Yeah. And you were lucky because ultimately there was money around. Your insurance was paying um, in many patients, uh, say patients, sorry, being a doctor, I automatically say patients. Uh, many other folks out there don't have that. Uh, they, no, no. they were scraping by as they went prior to their breakdown. And now they're really, truly down and out. So I yes. guess- both of us. On, they, they, they end up in, in prison, right? In jail. Yeah. They end up in, in on the streets. And, and I've thought many times that could have been me. Or mm -hmm. that, and that could be me. That could be anybody. You don't know what's going to happen in life. Correct. Anything Correct. can change. And, and, and um, you know, we need to be prepared. And it, it's not an easy thing for the unexpected. And, and, and to be so grateful in the midst of your trials like that mm -hmm. for what you do have. You know, there's so many things I didn't have, but you know what? There were so many things I did have. Mm. Many, many things. So true. So true. That was your physical ability, your physical health, the sheer fact that you were actually walking, that you're able right. to 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 do things without uh, disability. And uh, a myriad of things, but we can't see that. It's no. the same. I mean, even learning, even wake up in the morning, and just, just being grateful that I can breathe because there's no guarantee you're going to even wake up in the morning exactly there's, there's no guarantee mm. in the news every day i read about people that that, that suddenly passed away and and for whatever the reason it may mm. be but mm. they weren't expecting nobody expects to you don't know when you're going to, to die mm. so to to uh live in the moment as they say and and uh actually on my facebook i posted today i said enjoy your day because it's never coming back. <laughs> so true. So true. You know? So true. And, and so many wasted, wasted opportunities with hindsight. Yeah. Yet, yet when you are consumed by your trauma, when you are driven to run away, when you're driven to to drown your feelings, your emotions, when you try to escape reality, you don't see that. It is no, so no, you, it, you can't. So therefore, can't. that's so important that we that we acknowledge that that this is part of our journey. There is that's there right. will be a part of running away, and the question is, how long do you want to do that? That's it's, that's right. It's normal that's that right. you want to do, guys. I mean, you want to escape trauma. That's that's what we do. That's what we want to do as humans. That's normal. Yeah. So whatever whatever you have been doing. Uh, may that be sex, may that be alcohol, may that be drugs, may that be sugar, whatever you have been doing. Maybe it's even work. Maybe it's shopping. It's it's what it can be anything that gives you that that uh, brief moment of escape from what you consider to be your reality. And yeah. and you know what? I, I I encourage survivors that that's okay. It's 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 okay. Don't think that all of a sudden you have to stop drinking or stop whatever that behavior is, because number one is you're not going to be able to. Uh. But understand that that's that's a part of the process. When you recognize now that hey, uh, what I'm doing is not good for me, then give yourself a gold star. You didn't recognize that before, and then the next thing is okay. What do I do about it? Well. Now we, we read, we maybe go to therapy, we may listen to podcasts, we look, we look at a YouTube, we, we start to gain information, we maybe talk to people, we understand, wow, this is, there's, this is going to take time. And it's so important not to beat yourself up in the process. 
and to learn to be kind to yourself mm. and know that you're going to be okay, mm. right? you're, you, you are going to heal, but you need to step into this one step at a time and, and, and be okay with that. And, and that is a hard thing to do, man. It's hard. That's why I love, um, I love talking to survivors, um, whether they're male or female, because I, I love, many people reach out to me, but especially men who, um, you know, I've just, just recently had a man just reach out to me and he was just, uh, his wife, his wife said I should, right? You know, because a man is not going to go, oh, look, if there's a male survivor of childhood sexual abuse, I'm going to reach out, right? He just, he just, his wife was noticing drinking a little more than he used to, not really present with the kids, and their marriage was beginning to have problems. She suggested that maybe his, you know, his abusive past and his family might be affecting him. And he, he was like, I'm, I'm okay. But he reached out to me because his wife said to do that. And he had a good marriage. So he obeyed. And you know, after a few conversations, he realized, and actually he began to cry and weep on the phone and with me. And he was apologizing because he'd never, he'd never, it was his first time really telling somebody what really happened. And that's why it's so important to tell your story with somebody that you trust and feel safe with. And out it came. And he's crying. He goes, oh, I can't believe I'm crying. You know, I said, I said, it's okay. You, you, you should be. You need to. And and I get it. I have shed many, many tears over this. And um, you know, he just he he felt hopeless and helpless and didn't see a way out. And I said, you know, um, John. Well, his name wasn't John, but I said, you know, um, let's let's talk again. I, I'd love to talk to you again. So we. Every other day for a few weeks, we talked and, you know, um, I ended up at the point, it was both him and his wife that were on the phone with me. It was like, it was like therapy. I'm not a therapist, <laughs> but, but you, you know, survivors connecting with survivors is a, an extremely important process in the healing journey, just as a, just as important in my opinion, as it is speaking to a, a therapist or a mental health care professional, you need both. There's a, there's a very important place for both of those to be in your life. And when I went to group therapy, group men's therapy, I, I, I never in a million years thought that I would need that. And when I went, <laughs> I went once and I was like, after that one time, I was like, you know what? Men's group therapy is very good. This is good. And I went for two years and, uh, and uh, it's important. And, you know, so, you know, back to the, our, our point is recognizing that it's okay. Like I told him, I said, you're, you're drinking too much and yep, you need to stop. But I'm going to tell you, my friend, mm. cut it back. Just learn, just start to, you know, allow yourself some time and understand what are your triggers? When are you wanting to drink? Why are you wanting to drink? Stop and think about that for a moment. What is in your head when you're doing that? Is it stress from work? Is it stress from your past? Is this, what is what is causing you to want to pick that up and get that numbness happening in your life? And, and you know, there's the whole process of slowing down in the moment thinking, because we, we, we run, right? We are in fight or flight uh, for years. And, and like, like you mentioned, you know, we don't, we don't stop to think, but Anyway, I'm kind of going on and on, but it's uh, it's all part of the process, and we need to accept that and know that it's okay. Indeed, it is okay to not be okay, and that's so important. So important. Yeah. It is. I I did never allow myself that because as a doctor, you're you're somehow not accepting that. Okay, today I'm not so good. I lost this patient. Yeah. 
Now, nah, bad time, bad luck. No, we are hundred percent. No, that's right. It happened. Yeah, shit happens. Uh, no, it doesn't work like that in in doctor's no. terms. So, therefore, my trauma uh, in in my youth caused me to be hyper vigilant and caused me to be bang constantly expecting. Yes, I, the worst. I was the same way. Hyper vigilance yeah. is very common, isn't it? And but that made me a good doctor. So, where there. Did you think that that some of the aspects of your trauma made you actually a good consultant, made you a good uh, a good person in your job? <laughs> there is no question because I, I, you know, I mean, I was working with some of the biggest companies in the world, like Boeing, the Boeing Corporation, Sanofi Aventis Pharmaceuticals in Paris, and a company called CETA out of uh, uh, Geneva. They manage uh, uh, hardware, hardware and software assets for 90% of the airports around the world. And I mean, it was big, big, big stuff. And I mean, I'm working with the CIOs and the C-level and the V-level management. And I have to tell you, if you've ever seen the movie, Catch Me If You Can with Leonardo yeah, yeah. DiCaprio. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so... Yeah. I didn't have any certifications, no industry industry standard certifications on process and, gotcha. uh, and, gotcha. and and regulations and best practice. Nothing. I could just do a really good interview. <laughs> and as a matter of, as a matter of fact, this on the wall behind me is not a certificate from a diploma from education. Um, when I got my first job in this uh, in this space, um, my wife and I were so broke that uh, they were coming to get the car. We were going to be ev evicted out of our uh, of a place. We didn't have any money for food. And um, I, ha I had to get work. And so I had to find something that was within walking distance in case my car got taken away. So I applied for a job that was way out of my league, right? Way out of my league. And I got through the interview process and I got hired and it was double the salary that I got paid when I moved from Canada just a couple of years ago. And I just thought, you know, if they figure out I don't know what I'm doing, it's going to take them a few days at least. And they're going to have to pay me for the time that I'm there. So I was not afraid of being fired. I was not afraid of being found out because I was just so desperate to pay the bills. And as it turned out, you know, I kind of faked my way. And then the project manager, <laughs> this is a great story. The project manager, who was also external like I was, she came to me because I was under her. She said, I'd have to ask you a question. And uh, don't, don't take this personally, but have you ever done this? Like, have you ever done this type of work before? Right? And so I knew, obviously, that she figured me out. Right? And uh, I said, well, I said, no, I've, I, I have done I, not not specifically, but I've you know I've done. So I'm trying to explain this to her, right? Because I've done some work like this, but right. not at this level. If you cut my salary in half, that's where I would have been. Hmm. And she she's like, okay, time out. Just I understand. Like she's like, she figured it out. <laughs> she goes, look, I need to succeed on this gig, okay? And in order for me to succeed, you have to succeed. So here's what we're gonna do. When you don't know something, I want you to come to me, and I will help you. And I, I said, well, okay. Cause I thought, I thought I was going to get fired. Right. And I said, okay. So she mentored me through six months on that gig. And it just so happened that see life is a wonderful thing. I think life is in our favor. If we, whether we recognize it or not. And at some point, if we embrace that um, it, it, it'll look different for everybody, but I think there's, there is happiness in this world for us in, in somewhere. And even if you don't know it. And so uh, 
the CIO just happened to be the top CIO in the United States that year. And he was on the front cover of CIO magazine. And he happened to be the top CIO three out of the previous five years. I didn't know that when I got hired, but I thought <laughs> I'm going to get this guy to write me a letter of recommendation before I go. That's what's on the wall back here. Excellent. And typically a letter of recommendation is two or three paragraphs. That's a full page of basically a description of how Jesus walked on the water and changed humanity for all eternity. I read this thing and I'm like, I didn't realize I was that good or made it look like I was that good. So I used that to apply for the next job. And that job, you know, it paid like three times that. So now I'm in six figures. And again, I didn't know what I was doing. And the same thing happened. I, you know, my boss said, you ever done this before? And I said, look at, um, anything you don't know, come and teach, come and ask me and I'll, I'll show you. And then after two years of being on site there, I became very good at what I was doing. And, uh, and then away I went. So, so the idea, so to answer your question, right. That, you know, I didn't have an education. I didn't plan on it. It was, it was uh, spur of the moment. It was reactionary hmm. and it was out of desperation. And then it came crashing down. I couldn't, I did it for 15 years. And then yeah. because I really wasn't qualified really. Um, and, and, and I mean, I, I think I was through the work experience, but I, I just, I just, like I said, when I started to lose my ability to think and focus, that's what happened. It was my trauma sneaking up on me. I think I would be very good at that job today. Very, very good. And I, I, I consult with people today and, and help them uh, with their businesses. Um, but uh, you know, that, 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 you know, mentally something was happening that I had no control over. Hmm. The problem is there is the, your body can only drive on adrenaline and on survival mode for such a, for a certain period of time That's until it. things get unhinged and you're yeah. losing it. You can't ref your car continuously, high refs, going, 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 going. At some stage, the motor says, enough yeah enough right, yeah. okay yeah. so exactly so and i think that's that's with us and we don't understand that uh for such a long period of time but for me it is it is the this interesting concept that ptsd can be actually a very good thing to a certain degree and and it is it is this we want to I want to to demonize PTSD, my trauma, etc. So I, 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 my our natural thoughts are no, no, that that is not good, and look what yeah. it has done to us. I must say that the reason that I am so good in, in managing emergencies uh, is because of my trauma, because of my vigilance, yes, because of that. So there are actually good aspects. And again, that's that's where it boils down to. It is We always try to sort of think, okay, there's the trauma. Let me just cut it out. And I, I want to bury that six feet under and, and nowhere to be seen again. I think that's wrong. Is however traumatic our trauma was to us, it made us who we were. Oh, who we are. It, it created yes. the, the yes. previous versions of us. And those versions were us. You cannot, you cannot deny that. And, but you can, you can let them 
you can remember them and think, okay, wow, that was then, but how far have I come? Uh, therefore, the, the same question is maybe, you know, if you had a time capsule, could you go, oh, time machine, could you, go, and you could go back, would you change things? And I think, no, I would not with my set of trauma that I've gone through, because it made me actually the man I am nowadays. So I've come to terms, to terms with my trauma. Um, let me let me come back. Mm. We we were talking a lot about already about about the coping mechanisms, etc. But yeah. if I, I ask you the question, Ed, if you could go back, what would you change? When you were just mentioning that, I had a grin on my face. And I was smiling huh? because. Uh, on my YouTube channel, I have a clip where I'm telling my story in about four minutes. And, and uh, he asked me that question. And I said, I said, no, I, I really thought about it. And I said, no, because for the exact same reasons you just said that yeah. I said, everything that's happened in my life has made me who I am today. Yeah. I'm making an impact in people's lives that I never would have had before. Mm. Um, who knows what would have happened if this didn't happen mm. is one thing I know for sure is that, when you go through deep levels of depression and anxiety and just deep, deep, dark emotions, I've developed a greater appreciation for my happy moments and joyful moments. And, and to, 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 how do you know what's really happy unless you've been really, really sad? And, you know, when you feel like your soul has been ripped out of your very being, because that's what happens from childhood sexual abuse, specifically sexual abuse. You literally, in my opinion, get your identity sucked right out of you mm. and you don't know who you are. And we constantly become codependent, trying to be something for everybody, mm. trying to win everybody's approval. Mm. And, and I said, no, I, I wouldn't. Because, and because also the reality is you can't go back and change it. There's no such thing. And so, um, no, I wouldn't go back because I really, really do love who I am today. I, I just the kind of man that I've become is not the kind of man I would have become before. Not, not a chance. And, and I love it. So no, I wouldn't. When you say the man I've become, uh, when I think back at who I was trying to be a man, I wasn't a man. No, a, a man has integrity, has humility, has has certain virtues yes. that were so foreign for me. I mean, yeah. it is for me. I did not have uh, childhood sexual abuse. Uh, maybe some emotional abuse, but I think that was more signs of the time, so to speak. I think the, for me, nevertheless, the people pleasing was like for you. It was a key ingredient. Um, seeking validation, seeking seeking uh, approval somehow in any way, shape, or color. Yeah. One of the one of the ways that I did that was by making new sexual relationships and having massive love things happening, creating the most beautiful world for a girl for a month or two 
and then dropping her like a hot potato when things got serious or when when actually things were. So my sexual life was was more butterfly inseminating flowers um, than than anything serious. Oh, because you don't know what love is and you don't know what intimacy is. I, one of my girlfriends, she said to me, you have no clue how to be intimate. And I thought, you gotta be kidding me. I thought I am so good at sex. Isn't that what intimate, I mean, I'm thinking this in my mind, right? I I understand what a woman is looking for. I can perform sexually. What are you talking about? I don't know how to be intimate, but it has absolutely zero to do with sex at all whatsoever. This is intimacy right now, what you and I are doing. This, this is what being intimate is, uh-huh. right? Is, is connecting on a deep and vulnerable and genuine level. Mm. There's, there, and that has nothing to do with sex. Your sex life would, be, would, I think, be greatly enhanced by, I don't know anymore, because I'm now single. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, should the day come, I, I, you know, I, I look forward to it because it would be a completely different experience. It's not going to be me trying to perform or me trying to satisfy myself or her. It's, it's, oh my gosh, to be in love with someone now. Uh, so this is a, 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 not a paid advertisement, but I am single and I don't have any children. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'll play with you, but, but, uh, you know, uh, it would be a different thing, right? Intimacy is uh, the, the great um equalizer if you want to call it that in relationships it's the it's the real true make or break that's the secret sauce and i think we have a hard time with that so for those women who want to stop the interview right now uh, his contact (laughs) details are down there in the youtube uh channel description and so just just go for it just that's that's fine you can listen to the rest of the interview later say hello (laughs) first (laughs) and i wish it to you and there is absolutely no doubt that uh mrs wright will turn up or mr wright or whoever right that's right but we it's again if you think about it when you're in the middle of trauma you you're hopeless and helpless and and you you do not believe that there is a way out yet there is there yeah. always 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 yeah. is now we too are lucky because we have actually learned that the hard way or maybe the good way however which way it's you always look the it. hard way there is no easy way right <laughs> should you there <laughs> but i think there is there there will be something happening around the next corner of your path and it will be i'm looking forward to the next interview with you down the line to actually see okay okay where are we now what 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 happened what happened because life excites me now exactly but what what you are describing there is actually a sex life how does that work when you've been sexually abused as a child, how how can you have sex without being triggered? How can you, how does that work? Yeah, that's, uh, I wish I had a really good answer for that. Um, uh, I think, you know, if, if that ever does happen for me, I think as, as much as I like to say I'm, I get it. I'm healed, and I'm in the moment, and I understand intimacy, and I understand what a what a good man would do, and all these things. What would it be like to actually, you know, be in a healthy relationship and have sex? I I, I can't imagine it not 
I, you know, I, I think there will be problems, <laughs> right? And that's okay, man. and I understand that, right? I'm, I'm used, I'm used to knowing that when the, the unknown in my journey, and and there's reasons why for the triggers, so I will sort through it. And whoever I, I'm with will understand this before they ever date me, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to know my story. I mean, go to, it's all over the internet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have a documentary coming out, so you know. But the reality is it's going to take some work. I understand that it's going to take some work because the, the paths are going to be there. But um, I mean, I have to say that, you know, sexual addiction became a big part of my life very, very early before I even hit the double digits, like before I was even 10 years old. Um, so to be, you know, I've gone back through all, you know, uh, in, in my therapy to just think about these things and, 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 and how they contributed to my behaviors, um, in my adult life and to be awoken sexually at age four. I remember, I I mean, just, I really do remember it very clearly. And I remember my thoughts being thoughts of bewilderment, not understanding the, the, the physiological things that were happening in my brain and in my body and, and, and the pleasure that I was getting from it. And just not, not just, you don't understand. You don't even know, you don't know what sex is. I'm four years old. And so, uh, you know, and then that happens, you know, four, five, and six, seven years old. And then it happens with the next door neighbor. And then it happens with a grade four and five teacher. Well, by the time you hit grade four and five, I mean, or even, you know, seven and eight, I mean, I knew there was something wrong, but you're already, you're already messed up hmm. and you're okay for some bizarre reason with these things happening. So um, I was, you know, I really relate to you when it comes to your sexual um, experiences because, uh, you know, with, with an addiction, um, you know, it would, whether it be pornography or going to massage parlors or, um, you know, sadly hiring, you know, even paying for sex, like prostitutes and things like that. Um, and, and that be, when that becomes an addiction and you continuously push the boundaries of your of your of your your of your morals. Uh, and then you start to live in this in this dark place what I call it in the booth in the back in the corner in the dark that nobody knows except for you. And we all have that in our lives to some degree. But when it's really morally a bankrupt place that you suffer with. And I'm a Christian. <laughs> and I remember being a leader in my church in my in my late teens and early 20s and being involved in these things and having this massive uh, self-loathing uh, in my in myself that I carried for decades as I went through it. And the only way I could numb that self-loathing was with more was was more sex. And so then, when you get into therapy and understanding what's going on, you realize it's an addiction, and it's an addiction that has the same cycles as a heroin addict or an alcoholic, where you are triggered and then you act out and then you soothe and then you 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 come back around again. And you learn to understand, okay, uh, there's a there's a physical aspect to recovering from this, there's a mental aspect to recovering from this. And, you know, I, I thank God, and I really mean that, that, you know, and, you know, an addiction is an addiction. I will always be uh, a sex addict. And I'm not afraid to say that because, uh, you know, it's out in the open and I understand my triggers. I, you know, it's like any other addiction. I, I need to manage my lifestyle. I need to manage what I look at, what I see, um, what I listen to. And, um, you know, it, it is, it has affected me. It has affected me until the day I die. But again, you know what? 
I don't, I don't regret that. I don't, and I, that's, you know, when you ask me, would I change anything? That's a big part of wanting to change something. You would think, well, wouldn't you want to change that? Hmm. Well, you know, of, of, of course you would, of course you would. But again, working through that addiction has helped me become the man that I am. It has helped me to be able to speak out and to, I love to be on um, platforms like this where we can talk about this hmm. because I can't wait to promote this when we're done because men need to hear this and wives need to hear this and tell their husbands to hear this. That wouldn't happen um, to be able to help other men in this situation. Cause I got to tell you, you don't, men don't like being in that situation. Nobody, no, not an addict of anything doesn't like to sit in that in their, throughout their lives. Uh, you, you're self-loathing. Nobody, mm. nobody enjoys that. Right? You get, of course, you get the temporary high from whatever the dopamine is that you uh, flood into your brain from whatever your addiction is, mm. but you don't, at the end of the day, you don't like it. You don't like mm. yourself and you wish you weren't doing it. It's great to talk about. I appreciate you asking mm. me that. It is so important because we know that that often if there's physical abuse, then children act out and become bullies themselves. And so therefore it was it was the logical question with regards to to what happens to your sexuality when you get abused. I think there is a, a very different aspect though, is we 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 become such addicts towards people pleasing. And if you if you apply that to your sexuality, that makes you damn good in bed because you focus on your partner, but you don't focus for for intimacy reasons. You focus on on approval, so to speak. It That's is right. how was my rating? Can I have a seven point eight, seven point nine, eight point zero? And and it is it is actually fucked up the moment I think about it like that but I actually have to to admit this must have been the bigger part of my of my teens tweens those kind of younger years um those kind of wild the sex the tracks the rock and roll um the sex was actually more trying to find my identity trying to find Yes, yeah. yes. And try and, and for, did you feel this way for me? It was like when, when a, when a woman was attracted to me and I performed good in bed, I just had such a sense of well-being and a sense. I mean, I think any man would, you know, we, we, mm -hmm. we feel, mm -hmm. but that was the only thing that gave mm -hmm. me my, my self-worth. Right. And if I couldn't attract another woman, then what is wrong with me? Right. Correct. I need to be able to attract a woman. And, and, you know, and I think it's important for me to say too, is that, that, uh, you know, this, 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 escalated throughout my life like it just every every decade it got worse and worse and when I got married at uh, age 30 I married a very beautiful woman she was a, um, an ex-model she was a runner-up in uh, uh, national uh, beauty competition uh, just absolutely gorgeous and I thought that someone that beautiful would satisfy me and I'd be okay and all these addictions would stop and it, it didn't and when we divorced and when I was making that kind of money, it was like giving a heroin addict a great big bag of heroin and whatever you use to get that in you. And, and I just, I went, I went wild, right? And it was worse. And so from, so I'm talking from age like 30, like 39 to 45, I, I, I just was out of control. 
in in, the, in that area. It, it, and that's that's really what really brought me to, to crash is that uh, I, I couldn't sustain um, that kind of uh, really self harm is what it was mental and psychological self harm. Mm-hmm. At some point, a coke addict or heroin addict is gonna it's just gonna die from 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 feeding themselves. And I believe the same same is exactly what I was experiencing. Uh, so it was it was very very serious. So I, I my point that I wanted to make for other men to hear was that I I cheated on my wife every year that we were married, and you know we never I never brought this up in counseling when we were trying to save our marriage. I never brought this up. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. I can nobody knows. Nobody knows. I've kept this under wraps. Mm-hmm. It's like what a good addict does. They hide it, right? And there are there are many other reasons that for why we divorced. That that wasn't the only reason. I mean, I didn't. I honestly didn't think it was affecting my marriage. Unbelievable. I did not think it was affecting my marriage. Did not think it was affecting relationships because I had it under control. <laughs> Nobody knew. You wouldn't know the difference now with the person you're talking to or that person that was doing it back then. You know? What I mean? You understand? I was so good at it. I had no idea that 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 I was actually impacting a stranger that I'd have an interaction with. Cause they, I was always, you would never, if you're not a genuine open and vulnerable person, you're denying even a stranger that you have an interaction with a hello. There's something about you. They, you don't want them to know. Yeah. This big secret. And so after we divorced, I mean, I couldn't talk about this on your, on your show without having talked to my ex-wife about this first, because it wouldn't be fair to her. And so after we got divorced, you know, we sat down and I, I, I told her everything and I asked her to forgive me. And she did. And, um, uh, you know, I just I, I like to when I get the opportunity to mention that. I think it's very important because I think that a lot of men, um, you know, hide these secrets. And, uh, um, you know, you if you if you do talk to your wife about it and you're having marital problems, it could very well end your marriage. But it, it may not. You don't you don't know. But. Being truthful and coming clean is is absolutely imperative, and you can't get around it. I could not advocate. I could not do what I'm doing right now if I couldn't talk about this uh, openly, uh, but uh, appropriately on the in, in the proper in the right places and times like this. Um, and uh, I'm I'm not ashamed if she if she uh, you know would hear or see our conversation. I would be sad, of course, because I'm not proud of what I did, but I am proud of the fact that I've come out of it and. Um, the reality is, uh, she is a very beautiful woman and it had, it had nothing to do with her. An addict has nothing to do with anybody else, but themselves. That's the the reality. And uh, she didn't understand that. And I understand that she didn't understand that too. And it's, um, you know, regretful. Yes. But again, would I change it? Yeah. I I really wish we don't like hurting people, right? Addicts, you know, hurting people hurt people. We've heard that saying before. And um, that's part of the wake that follows us, the destruction in our lives. And uh, yeah, I, I, I wish I could change those kinds of things. But at the end of the day, you can't, you won't. So you might as well embrace it and, uh, and think of the good things that have come out of it, like this conversation we're having right now. Mm. And that's so important, isn't it? It is. You, I think that is the biggest message I would send back to my younger me is to, to actually accept it's okay that you're hurting. It's okay yes. 
to feel the pain. You don't need to run away. Yes. And it is, but what intrigues me a little bit is that we probably had a quite a different upbringing. I was taught by my stepfather that um, for him, the ideal man would be sort of a, a film star who is debonair and has a drink in his hand and lays as many people, uh, as many women as he can. So the James Bond kind of style. That's right. That's right. Tony Curtis, all these kind of, of, yeah. of you know, that was the ideal for my stepfather. And that is how he, he brought me up. You know, it is, it's okay. The more sexual conquests you have, the better it is. So to a certain degree, I could excuse my behavior from that part of my upbringing. Now, for you, there was God, there was Christian, there was youth leader at church. Uh, <laughs> how did that gel? <laughs> yeah, so, so you didn't have that yet. Here was, here was that kind of sex addiction that we both showed signs of and, and, and lived. Um, and it was there. So you cannot say, ah, this sex addiction that came because of uh, upbringing or because of this, because of that. It uh, is. It's a very good point. Uh. It's a very good point. <laughs> So Sorry. I, no, 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 it's good. And it's so important for you guys to realize it is, it is sometimes, sometimes we try to put things into nice little boxes and say, yeah. oh, look at his life. No surprise that he is an addict. Yeah. Look at her. No surprise with that story. I would be an addict too. It doesn't actually work like that. It doesn't actually work like that because your addiction will come out in weird and wonderful ways. It <laughs> yes, matter. yes, it will. You can't hide it forever. You yeah. can't. <laughs> you can't. And, 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 you know, Steph, go ahead. No, yeah, ladies first. <laughs> yes, thank you. Um, I was going to say, uh, uh, I have a TikTok I'm going to make uh, here pretty quick. And there's a long brunette uh, wig I'm going to be wearing. And I'm going to the uh, mall to get a makeup artist to make me look like a woman. So I'll have to share that with you when I get that done. Oh, but, yes, uh, please. <laughs> but, uh, you know, for for many, many years, and it, it's it's a hard thing to, to, to work through in recovery, is that I believe there's a very strong likelihood that the reason why... I went the way I did was kind of because of what happened to me. You know, I mean, I was I was raised well, other than getting sexually abused. Uh, my sister turned out to be perfect. <laughs> I'm like, how did you turn out to be so perfect? Like, she's never been drunk. She's never done this. Blah, blah, blah. She goes, oh, yes, I've been drunk. I'm like, well, describe drunk to me. She said, she's trying to describe the sensation. I said, that's not drunk. Drunk is when you wake up with your nose in a corner of somebody's house and you don't know whose house it is. And you're a little bit lost and befuddled when you wake up because you don't know how you got there. That's drunk. But, you know, I, I believe there's no question that uh, my entire life unfolded the way it did because of the trauma that I that I suffered. But at, at some point, I had to stop. And it was it was through men's group therapy that I realized that everything that I was doing in my life now and as an adult, it was my choice. I was choosing to, to do these things. I could I had to get to the place where I could no longer say, well, it's because of these things that happened. It's because of this, because of yes, you know what? You betcha. It is because of those things. But Every moment in the future, starting right now, you can choose to not let it affect you. Now, there's going to be a working out in that. 
but you can choose to not let that be something that affects your future in a negative way. You have to choose to take responsibility for your actions. And that was, I think the hardest thing. And I think the hardest thing for any survivor or, or addict to come to the place where they go and they realize that they have responsibility and the ability to make choices. And at some point you can't blame your past anymore. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. Mm, and that's exactly easy. it, isn't it? In, indeed, right. And that's where, oh, that was, that is actually probably the hardest bit to accept. That. I think so too. And it was, it was for me, the resentment, the anger, all that. Look what they did to me. That's and right. Now yes. I'll drink a whole bottle of vodka and I'll show them. Ha! Go right and ahead. Exactly. Are you going to do that tomorrow? Yeah, that's right. Again? You're going to keep doing it? Exactly. And that's, that's I think, that that was the hard thing for me to, that was the hardest thing, actually, to get rid of, to accept what has happened in the past, put it to bed, to accept the things we cannot change. Now, that was that's a skill right. I had never learned up until rehab. And yeah. I must say that I'm so grateful for that, uh, yeah. for that insight. If there's one insight ever, then it was that inside. Uh, not my circus, not my monkeys. You, there's, or can I do something about it now? No. Okay. Then that's it. Then I cannot now beat myself up, take the whip out and whip myself because it, it is either was what it was or it is. I can only right now make choices and, and make a choice to live a different way. Yeah. To... Um, no doubt I will, I will have today, throughout the day, I will have flashbacks when I treated a woman bad or when I, I will see tears in women's eyes when I, when I drop them like hot potatoes and said, okay, mm. that's it, bye. Um, I will have a lot of flashbacks of that and it will not be a good day from that aspect, point of view. But I will make it a good day because I will, I will decide, I will acknowledge the emotions that will come over me. I will not respond to them. I will not react to them. And I think that's the beautiful thing. I noticed today there will be quite a few micro traumas, but I do already now decide that I will respond to them by acknowledging them, but by doing good things, by looking after myself, by being kind to other people, by being uh, grateful, for those things that I do have. There are so many things that you will learn in recovery and that you learn to appreciate as new coping mechanisms that are so much more beautiful than, than the way I acted out and, and, and committed suicide in installments in the past. Mm, yeah. And so now it's, it's, it and is, Stefan, that's a, that's a, to get to that place, it's important to recognize that it's a learned it's a learned skill set to get to what you just described. It doesn't just happen, right? So when you, you know, how, like, how do you get past, uh, you know, really the anger mm. about what had happened to you and just say, well, just all of a sudden, do I just forget that? I just put those emotions behind me. Mm. And I'll never forget one time uh, when I was going through, you know, I've been through many different therapists over the years, either because I moved or because they moved on or, or they didn't work or whatever. But one, one therapist I had, he was like, a young, he was a young guy. He was like half my age. And I thought to myself, what is this guy going to know? What life experience does he have? 
right? And that may have been the case. It may have been the case, but it wasn't. And uh, so he's asking me about my pornography addiction and he's asking specifically what I like to watch and this and that. And I'm like, you know, he was really pissing me off with his questions, right? Like, do you, do you, do, I mean, do you, I'm like, like I, did, I, I didn't respect him as a, as a therapist. I thought, well, well like, like, why are you asking me these things? And he's, and so I didn't ask him that, but I was just getting irritated. And he said, he said to me, he said, um, you seem to be a very angry person. I said, fucking right. I'm angry. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm I am an angry, I'm, I'm angry at a lot of things. I, I said, to be honest with you, I don't know what to do about it. And right now I'm, I'm feeling that way right now. Do you, do you need to go into all these details and yabba dabba do and everything? And he said, you know what? He said, I don't know how you cannot be angry. He says, you know what, what you need to do? He says, you just have not been angry enough. He said, if I were you, he said, I would feel like I have been effing ripped off in my life. I would feel, I, I would feel like I was so ripped off. And he says, you have been. He says, if you ever like really allowed yourself to be really angry about that, because I'd be pissed off and I don't know for how long. He said, but you know what you need to do is you need to allow yourself to be angry, as angry as you want and as long as you want. Because at some point you have to stop being angry. You have to allow yourself to just, if you need to go beat something, break something, throw something, do it safely, do it privately. But allow yourself to be as angry as you want, because you know what? You have been so screwed in life. You should be angry. But when it's over, when it's over, then you can move on into a, an, into a new space. And I, I allowed myself to do that after that. I allowed myself to go, you know what? I, I haven't. Why? Well, it really answered the question as to why I was so angry. And I, I've always felt that way. And uh, the reality is I have, I have been ripped off in life, but I've also been giving gifts and blessings and opportunities in life that otherwise never would have come as well. And so I think it's important for, you know, um, people listening to this and watching this to, you know, it's, it's nice to say, you know, I recognize, you know, I, I have take responsibility for my own choices. I recognize that uh, the past is in the past, but you also need to recognize it's okay to be really not okay for a while. Right. And then we say that it's okay to not be okay. Embrace that and really allow yourself to not be okay because it's not fair. Whatever your trauma is that was not your fault, allow yourself to go ahead and get it out as long as you want. I like how he said that because I, I so I did that. And eventually you get exhausted and tired of being angry. Uh. And you're like, okay, what now? Like what, what, what's, what's next? And that's kind of where it got me to what now. So everything is like, what now, what now, what now? Get me out of victimized, get me out of being a survivor and get me into what, what is next. And there's a cycle and a path to all these things. And you can do it. You really can. You really can. Life can be better, brighter, more beautiful. And, and something that is worth living every single day. You'll never arrive. You'll never be perfect. But when you can see yourself progressing every day, uh, you know, Stefan, I never would have met you. We never would have had this conversation. And I'm so grateful for it. Right? The interactions with people to be able to really connect mm. instead of me just giving you a bunch of bullshit about my career and how amazing I am. <sighs> I'm a human being like everybody else. I'm trying to keep it together, get it together, find it and put it together. We're all in the same boat, rowing the same time. And that's this 
way human nature works. Hmm. I never would have never would have understood these things before. It's a wonderful way to live and to be. Hmm. And for you to be so open to to me and to my guests and to to the world out there, it's so so beautiful. For that, I'm very grateful because you're you're. You're shining the torch. You're holding a torch somewhere in the darkness for someone, and we need to bring that message out there. There is there's so many people who are uh, who are suffering from addictions. One in in three people in in this world has yes. to suffer from chemical addiction. So there is that's one in three. You say the one in six as far as childhood sexual abuse in boys for men, yeah. For it's men. more for women. And exactly, exactly right. And the, the figures are mind-boggling. Mm. But if and and the figures for depression, one in three in your lifetime. So and so on and so on. Let's accept it. Let's stop with that stupid bloody mask, the perfect exterior. Switch yeah, off yes. the freaking filters on your Instagram. Uh, switch off the the the. Let's make it all pretty and perfect. No, yeah. there's nothing pretty and perfect out there. But that that perfectly imperfect, that is you. Yes. It yes, is. Yes. Is it not time for you to to learn to embrace that you wants it all? You know, it is. You are. You are who you are, and the past was probably not pretty for you, but the past made you who you are now, that broken person. But you you are, it's your choice to live in that broken victim mentality and, and, and suffer or to actually say, okay, I've done that part of my life. Now, me too, but what now? What is now? What is the new you? Who is the new you that you want to be? How can you figure out what are the next steps? Ask yourself those questions. What is your dream? What is your, your vision? And how can you make that a mission? How can you turn a dream into a vision, into a mission? And then start chipping away, do little things, you know, and you might be blown away where that ends you. You know, I, I like what you said earlier at the beginning of our conversation, Stefan, when you talked about our, you know, how if we lose our identity or we don't know who we are, um, having suffered some kind of trauma as a child, that we our, our lives can become like a blank canvas. And I, I like that because now instead of mourning who we would have been or who we thought we were or who we didn't even get a chance to develop. We have this sense of loss about uh, of, of who we are and anger about it, which I did. I got to the point where I realized, hey, you know what? Especially after I talked to that barista, I'm like, you know, what do I do? I do nothing. And, and I, I embraced that. I thought, you know what? I, I'm, I have lost my job. I, I, I feel so empty now. And you use that word too empty inside. I, at this point now in my life, I can choose to be whoever and whatever I want to be. Who gets that opportunity? You don't get that opportunity very often. You, you, you form that as you, as a child and as you go through school and you get married. And at some point you realize, you know, 
who am I as an adult with a, you know, if your life has gone quote unquote normal, well, it's pretty hard to change your, I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to do that. And through all my loss and have a loss, losing everything. If you're there with an empty bag, I get to put whatever I want into it now. And for years I put junk in it. Well, now I'm going to put good things in it. And now I get to be whatever the hell I want to be. And I want, I want to be an amazing person. That's what I want to be. I want to be a generous person. I want to be a person that's known for kindness and authenticity. And, um, you know, you know, I said to my therapist one day, I said, you know, she asked me if I could do, if I could, you know, do anything in life, what would it be? What would be your dream? And it used to be, you know, of course, money, you know, successful and all these things. And I, I, I don't care about those things anymore. I really don't. I, you need money, but it's not my focus. I said, I, I figured out what I want. And I said, that is, when I die on my gravestone, I wanted to say, Ed Squire, if you knew him, you knew the real person. I just, I just want to be known for who I am. I'm just the real, the person, when we hang up and we finish this call, I'm the same, per, you call me back in 20 minutes, it's going to be the same person, hmm. right? There's no show going on. There's no performance going on. You know, I'm in the moment. We wear different hats and we act differently accordingly and whatnot, but I am, I am the same person inside my apartment as I am outside my apartment. And that used to be a very different story. I love being able to create whatever we want in our lives and who we want to be. So it's a real, that's a gift uh, to me in life that you don't, not everybody gets. Amen. Guys, if you, if you get as infused about this guy as me, then congratulations, you're in the right headspace. So Ed, if people want to get hold of you, if people want to connect with you, how can they do that? If you can just remember the words, me too, what now, all in one word with no, with no spaces, no anything, put that in, Google that, put that in YouTube, you'll find me all over the place. That's my website, it's me too, what now.com. That's a great place to start because I have some great introductory videos on there about my story and my documentary. And there's uh, some wonderful people have said wonderful things about me and some testimonials. And there's an ebook you can download and it's kind of my own, yeah. it's written in my own vernacular, my own kind of, you know, way I like to say things. And uh, hopefully you'll find something that will help you either in written or in video content. Cause that's what I, that's what I focus on. Which is beautiful. So guys, what have you got to lose? Eh? And I specifically say, when I always say guys, and with that, I'm sort of gender neutral, but at the same token, this time I really want to say boys, men, What have you got to lose? Eh? It is, you've been staunch for such a long time. Might it not be time that you change, that you accept that you've gone through a lot of shit and that you accept it, you can't fix it right now. And that maybe, maybe it's time to stop running and just maybe choose a different way to live from now on. I, I was... I only realized that when I was in rehab, you guys are one step ahead of, of that person that I was then because you have been listening to this talk. You are already aware that things are not all right and you want out and you want change. What better way than to actually get in touch with the man uh, who has, who is asking the important question, what now? 
and maybe can help you on a path towards the new you, maybe the you that you want to become, not the you that you're right now. And that is a powerful, powerful place to be. You are like, like a spring is behind you that has been pushed back and is ready to catapult you forward. The only thing is you need a catalyst. You need, you need someone who is pulling the trigger to release that spring. And boy, I mean, you will probably fly a bit and then you bounce a bit. And <laughs> that's, that's part of recovery. Okay. That's right. <laughs> but hey, just roll with the punches, literally. <laughs> and then, then you see where that gets you. Ed, thank you so much for coming on to my oh, show. Thank and you so much for it, having me. Absolutely. No, no, no. That was a brilliant, brilliant interview. I'm so grateful. And guys, already a bit of a uh, of a giveaway. This is not the last time that we see Ed here on my show. Because Ed, like, like all the people that I have got the honor to interview, is on a mission, on a mission to become a better man. And that means he is transforming himself. So Me Too What Now is certainly part of his story, but there is there are other, other aspects of his endeavors that I want to look forward to, to, to talk about kindness, little giveaway there. Um, there will be more to come from it. Uh, so, Give me a few weeks, give Ed a few weeks, and then we have got him back. So, Ed, thank you so much for coming on to my show. Everyone, thank you again. I really enjoyed it. And uh, and I, I want to just also just add, you know, if, if uh, any of the men out there that are listening to this and they look at my content, feel free to reach out any anytime. I don't care if it's a DM or a phone call or a Zoom or an email or anything at all. If you, just, you, if you feel like uh, you just want talk, share your story or anything, or have any questions, or Stefan as well, right? Um, don't be afraid to reach out. It's it's sometimes nice to be able to do that with somebody who's kind of third party that you're not directly connected with. And mm -hmm. and uh, I, I enjoy talking to uh, men about uh, all these issues and helping them move forward if I can in any way. Cool. Guys, there is hope out there. There is help out there. Look after yourself. Bye. Bye, everyone.